0: This is a podcast about Jeopardy!
1: Hello and welcome to Potent Potables. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Kyle. We competed against each other on Jeopardy!
1: Kyle ended up winning seven games.
0: And we've been chatting about the show ever since.
1: Each week we start with analysis of this week's Jeopardy! episodes.
0: Then we move into a deep dive on a category or question from one of those episodes.
1: And we wrap it up with a quiz.
0: Yeah, so this week we're looking at the week of March 23rd through the 27th and it's nice to be able to come to Jeopardy with the normalcy that it provides. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jeopardy is sort of the only thing that's normal in my life right now. (laughs) So, Mm uh, we'll, uh, We'll, we'll see how, how long that lasts, but uh, yeah, I'm sure everyone has places to get their um, pandemic related content. I think we're going to, I think we're trying to keep it to jeopardy content here, right? Yeah. With, with digressions as, as necessary for people who care about knowledge and trivia and the state of the world, but we're here to talk about jeopardy.
0: Yep. Yes, we are. So on Monday, We have Vikram Prasad, a congressional aide from Washington, D.C. Kimberly Flynn, a writer and editor from Wayne, Pennsylvania. And Mishan Omo, a staff attorney from Walnut Creek, California, whose two-day cash winnings total $22,800. And we get the Jeopardy! categories of The Oscars, Anagrammed Reptiles, Hey, That's Fancy! Ensign Ash, A-S-H in quotation marks. It's how you win, and capture the flag.
1: I was surprised at the triple stumper um, at the $200 level of Hey, That's Fancy. Uh, the clue there was a six-course meal with this Thermidor. Tails with the meat removed, chopped, and combined with a bechamel. Yeah, that'll work. That's lobster. Lobster Thermidor. Um, and I can only assume that it was a triple stumper because it took a little too long to parse out like where the this was and like what the clue was asking contestants to come up with. Yeah. Not sure I've ever had lobster Thermidor.
0: I don't think I have either. Yeah. I do love lobster, but uh, believe it or not, we don't get a lot of great, seafood here in the smack dab middle of the continent
1: you don't say
0: yeah i mean there's some good like yeah we've had like you can get it but it's not it's not commonplace and it's not cheap
1: yeah lobster i feel like would would work um because they you know i mean they'd have to it would be expensive to transport it but you know because because it's live you don't have Mm -hmm. to you know you, you transport the live lobsters and so you're you would be able to get it fresh True, yeah, but I don't know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't tell you how things work in Colorado. You're an expert.
0: <laughs> well, expert's a strong word. Yeah, I am uh, but I would. Perhaps more. But I aware. would
1: think. Uh, yeah, I would think. I would think lobster would work better than than some other seafoods because you because you uh, transport it live and keep it in a tank until you're ready to cook it. Mm-hmm. The daily double was in the capture the flag category at the thousand dollar level, um, which is not the most common place to see a daily double. Vikram Vikram found it. He wagered 3,000 of his 5,200. He was in a pretty commanding lead at that point. Uh, Kimberly had 1,800. Michonne had 600. And he got the clue. A 50 foot flag captured from a Spanish ship was hung at London's St. Paul's Cathedral for this man's 1806 funeral. And he guessed who is the Duke of Wellington, but the correct response there is Lord Horatio Nelson.
0: Yeah, uh, I think eighteen oh six would have been too early for Duke of Wellington, right?
1: Mhm. I think so.
0: I mean, for that Duke of Wellington. Yeah. So yeah, he he uh, drops back down. He still has to lead at that point. Uh, the rest of the round, the he actually remains kind of flat. That that missed daily double, kind of took the wind out of his sails.
1: Mm.
0: He did not get in much. I don't know if he just got uh, really discouraged and got off the buzzer or didn't try to get in. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. But he, he's pretty much a flat line for the rest of the game.
1: So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Michon is in the lead with 4,600. Uh, Kimberly's in second place with 3,400 and Victram is in third place with 2,600. And they get these categories for the double Jeopardy round. The Oscars, but it's going to mean something different this time. State of the Bridge. That's a red line. Labors of Love, love in quotation marks. Brushing up on your Spanish history. And This Defines Me.
0: This Defines Me was... uh, At first, I thought it would be like, you know, one of those categories. It's like, okay, this is just... I mean, I realize the whole thing is trivia, but this is just trivia, right? Yeah. We give the definition of a word, and then you figure out what it is. Uh, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed the way it was it was worded and and the the clues they had. We had another yeah. Doctor Strange love clue. I feel like there had been a lot, you know, for Jeopardy. So like three oh, yeah. in the past few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the labors of love category, also sixteen hundred. The clue is in this 1964 Peter Sellers film, quote, Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. And that's Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. So we get the second daily double in the State of the Bridge category at the $1,200 level. Uh, the clue is Lank- Lake Champlain Bridge. Two states, please. Uh, Kimberly found it. She wagered 1000 of her 4200 She was between Mashaun, who was at 5,000, and Vikram, who was at 3,000. And she took some time. She wasn't sure. And she gave the same incorrect response that I thought of, which Uh. were Vermont and New Hampshire, because I didn't remember which side Lake Champlain was on.
1: I should have because, oh gosh, what date is it? Three months ago, we took a wrong turn going from New York to Vermont missed the missed the turn to go into Vermont. Hmm. Um, our GPS rerouted us. We took a we took a turn that it was directing us toward, which turned out to be where you pull in to take the ferry across Lake Champlain. Hmm. And so and so three months ago I took a ferry from across Lake Champlain from New York to Vermont. <laughs> but I still said Vermont and New Hampshire.
0: Uh, so yeah. whoops <laughs> Yeah, knew it was Vermont, knew the Vermont. Yeah. But not the not the New York side, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I should have known it. I'm kicking myself.
0: Yep, so Kimberly loses 1000 but she's still in second place at that point.
1: Yeah. Not too long after that, we get Daily Double 3 at the $1,600 level of the Oscars, uh, which turns out to be about people named Oscar. Mm-hmm. Kimberly finds it, wagers two thousand. This time, uh, she's made it up to six thousand, and is trailing Michonne, who's at six thousand two hundred. Uh, Vikram is still at three thousand. She gets the clue: a Chicago magnet school is named for this man, a once local butcher. And this time, she responds correctly: who is Oscar Meyer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fun little fact there.
1: Yeah. And then we all started singing some advertising jingles in our heads.
0: Yes, advertising works. Yep. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Michonne is in the lead at 17,800. Kimberly is not far behind at 16,400. And Vikram came in at the end and got the last few correct uh, to get himself up to 7,800. And they get the category, 1970s sitcoms. The clue is, a warning on early episodes said this show, quote, seeks to throw a humorous spotlight on our frailties, prejudices, and concerns, end quote. Vikram has wagered 7,000, and he guessed What is Faulty Towers, which Alex commented that that description could... Have applied to it, although, although it you know it's not acceptable because this warning was specifically put on the other show and not on Faulty Towers, um, so that is incorrect. Vikram loses seven thousand. Uh, Kimberly correctly identifies what is all in the family, and she bet it all, mm. which is a huge like a big bet and not not statistically the best one. But yeah. we get to Michonne, who also gets it correct. But she only wagered seventy eight hundred. Yep. She did not make a cover bet. Right. Which means that Kimberly's all in was, in this particular instance, correct. Mm-hmm. Because Kimberly is our winner with thirty
1: two thousand eight hundred. Yeah, I. It's not necessarily the right move statistically. I'm curious whether whether this was a Tuesday taping or a Wednesday taping Mm -hmm. because as somebody who ended up getting held from Tuesday over to Wednesday like I felt like I sort of knew your strengths and weaknesses and wagering strategy pretty well
0: (laughs) by the time I got
1: up to the podium right you know you got to watch
0: me for four games right Yeah. yeah
1: and if you've looked at the returning champion and thought the way they're wagering is not sort of traditional wagering strategy. Maybe just making a big bet and hoping for the best is your way to go. I don't know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or it's possible that, you know, that she was coming in blind and just felt like she should go for it, which people do. And, you know, in this case it works for her. Yeah. So uh, she's our winner going into Tuesday, March 24th where we get the contestants, Nick Klotz, a financial analyst from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Lindsay Evans, a prospect research strategist from Seattle, Washington, and Kimberly Flynn, a writer and editor from Wayne, Pennsylvania, whose one-day cash winnings total $32,800. Mm-hmm. And we get the Jeopardy round categories. I wrote that. Karma. Uh, that's C-A-R with ma in quotation marks. Foreign Geographical Terms, African American Performers, What an Idiom, and Shiny Things.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like they've done this sort of thing a lot recently, The uh, like the I Wrote That category. Like they, they give a passage and you have to identify... I guess either the work or the author. But I, yeah. I feel like this has been a, a pretty common thing in in recent shows.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: Oh, I liked it too. I thought it was, yeah. it's a lot of fun because it, you know, usually they pick a passage that even if you haven't read the, the book itself, there's a clue in there as to like the, the purpose of the book or the theme or the like the main story. So
1: yeah, and we had a good range in this. I wrote that category, you know, it wasn't all... American and British dudes of the of the 20th century. Um, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. We had we had Ian Fleming uh, at the $200 level. Suzanne Collins, uh, a quote from The Hunger Games at the 400. Uh, we had Hawthorne sort of a trivia standby at the 600. Uh, Homer with a quote from the Odyssey, Odyssey. at the yeah. yeah at the 800.
0: Yeah, the first Daily Double came up at the $1,000 level in that category. Lindsay found it, and she had 1400 She went all in. Uh, she was ahead of Kimberly, who was at 400 and Nick, who was at 200 She got the clue, quote, He had decided to live forever or die in the attempt, and his only mission each time he went up was to come down alive. Lindsay guessed who is Shaw, hmm. um, and I i don't know enough Shaw to know who she might have been guessing. Uh, the The correct response is Joseph Heller. That's from Catch-22. Mm-hmm. I'm Two. wondering if maybe she was thinking the picture of Dorian Gray and she meant Wild. Hmm. Because Live Forever at least works there. I don't know. Oh, yeah,
1: that makes sense.
0: Kind of. I, I, I don't know. Um, I...
1: I uh, didn't catch... I mean, Live Forever or Die in the Attempt is the kind
0: of... Um, that is the catch-22. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's the catch-22. Um, I missed that and um, sort of headed down like a like an early sci-fi kind of route um, and mm. guessed Jules Verne.
0: Oh, like the Invisible Man kind of thing? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Not that I've read
1: any Jules Verne, but it, it felt plausible at the time.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, I think you... Been.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to catch live forever or die in the attempt and connect that to to catch 22. Um, and I, I just missed it, as she did.
0: So she loses it all, but it's early in the round and mm-hmm. able to get back into it. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Kimberly is at 1,200, Lindsay is at 3,200, and Nick is in the lead at 5,000. And we get the double Jeopardy categories, Get-Togethers, Film Analysis, Bones... Commedia dell'arte characters, Colonial America, and CH squared. CH in quotation marks. Each correct response will have two sets of CH.
1: Mm-hmm. We got the second daily double pretty early in the round in the film analysis category at the $800 level. Lindsay finds it and wagers $2,000 of her 7600 uh, she's just barely ahead of Nick at that point, who has 7,400. Uh, Kimberly's trailing way behind at 1,200. She gets the clue, a Raquel Welch poster does a lot more than just hang on the wall in Andy Dufresne's prison cell. And uh, correctly responds, what is the Shawshank Redemption? Which is a popular one with trivia writers.
0: Yes, they yeah. love Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Confession, I've never actually seen it. Oh! And Second Confession up until this clue came up, I thought it was a Rita Hayworth poster because like I said, I've never seen the movie. <laughs>
1: yeah. Not,
0: not Raquel Welch. So now uh, I know.
1: I'm not sure I would have remembered that it was a Raquel Welch poster. It, it it's certainly worth seeing once. I'm not sure that it deserves. It's like <laughs> it's outsized spot in the trivia canon, but it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know um, why it's so popular with trivia writers, but it really, really is.
0: Yeah, it is, you know, and it's not just like, not just on Jeopardy, it's in like, you know, in pub Everywhere. trivia and mm-hmm. in and like trivia podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. everyone loves Shawshank. Anyway, the CH squared category gave them some trouble. They had three triple stumpers. Mm. The $800 level was 13 letter profession of Ichabod Crane in Legend of Sleepy Hollow. That school teacher. I got that one. Yeah, me too. Twelve hundred dollar level was Alan Moore created this quote Watchman character as a bad version of Batman and cringed a bit when fans idolized him. Uh, and that was Rorschach, which I haven't uh, I haven't watched the series that recently came out, partially because I have a really hard time watching heavy, kind of depressing things now. <laughs>
1: it is it's heavy and depressing. I have watched the series and like whew. It's yeah. intense.
0: Yeah, like, we had to stop watching The Handmaid's Tale. Like, I've read mm. the book. I know the story. It's not like it surprised me or anything, but, like, we just got... Oh, we're we're not in a... We don't have the emotional energy to delve into these really heavy, dark things.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Um, and then the $1,600 level, uh, the clue was a staple in Mexico City. There, crunchy pieces of deep-fried pork skin. And it showed a picture... And uh, those are chicharrones, Mm -hmm. which I realize the three contestants are from Milwaukee and Seattle and Pennsylvania, so maybe chicharrones are not a a common grocery store item for them. Yeah. Uh, But absolutely, here they are. I love Mm -hmm. chicharrones. And they they really are just pork rinds. Yeah. And they're just so fun to say. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) It's a good good name. Name. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: anyway i was going to say in colonial america i always feel like we get a sh- i always feel like it's a little shout out to us whenever the phrase potent potable comes up um, <laughs> i know it's not
0: <laughs> so they've been, they they have literally been using it for 36 years
1: i know i know <laughs> Yeah, no. The uh, the clue was 1767's Townsend Acts placed duties on imports to the colonies on lead, glass, paint, paper, and uh oh, this non-potent potable, which is tea, of mm-hmm. course. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, a, I, it always makes me go, oh, like that's the name. That's like the name of our show. Um, just, I don't know why I do that, but it, I don't know. <laughs> I liked it. All right. Nice. Um Yeah.
0: So we get Daily Double number three in the Commedia dell'Arte characters category at uh, the $1,200 level. It's pick number 24. Lindsay finds this one as well, uh, which means she found all three Daily Doubles. She wagers 3000 of her $12,400. Uh, she was only $1,000 behind Nick, and Kimberly was way back at 2800 She gets the clue. This type of physical comedy is named for the bat Arleccino, a.k.a. Harlequin, used to beat his comic victims. Lindsay guesses what is acrobatics, but the correct response is slapstick. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I really love this Commedia dell'arte category, because this comes from, you know, like it says Commedia dell'arte, which is one of the old uh, theater genres from, Mm -hmm. specifically from Italy, but it you know, spread and was more cosmopolitan. And so different countries had different names for it depending on the language they spoke, but essentially the same thing. You had comic theater or comic opera, and then, you know, serious theater and serious opera. Uh, and so they had these common character tropes, these archetypes that uh, this category was based on. So mm-hmm. it, it, it went, it, it brought me back to, you know, sophomore year music history class, which was fun.
1: Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Commedia dell'arte. I've watched like a, I think like a 10 minute YouTube, like crash course video about it Mm -hmm. Mm once. But I thought it was a fun category and I got a few of them. I was able to puzzle out slapstick after a minute, although I was um, not, like I wasn't familiar with, with the character or with the origin of the term slapstick until I saw this clue. I got stuck for a minute on like um like punch and Judy puppet shows, which is a a whole other Mm -hmm. whole other thing. Right. Also, comic and violent.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's true.
1: (laughs) So at the end of Double Jeopardy, Nick is in the lead with fifteen thousand four hundred. Lindsay's in second place with eleven thousand four hundred, and Kimberly is trailing with four thousand eight hundred. We get the category American poets. No, that's one of your favorites, Kyle. Um, <laughs> How and, dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the clue is this New York woman died in 1887 the year after the subject of her most famous poem was unveiled. And this is another one that trivia writers just love. Yes, they do. Kimberly has wagered everything and guesses who is. Um, she's partly partially written Elizabeth but uh, Barrett. Uh, Lindsay has wagered 1,801, and she guesses who is Emily Dickinson. She's around the right time period, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, But that's incorrect. Nick got to the right response with a $7,401 wager. That's a cover bet. And correctly responds, who is Emma Lazarus, author of The New Colossus? about the statue of liberty Liberty. yeah so nick is our champion going into wednesday
0: so on wednesday we have adam smith a law student from somerville massachusetts rachel burns a software analyst from east lansing michigan and nick klotz a financial analyst from milwaukee wisconsin whose one-day cash winnings total twenty two thousand eight hundred one dollars the Jeopardy round categories are all American stamps, female superheroes, wearable car parts, question mark. That's got to hurt. He said it and dropping rhymes. Each correct response will rhyme with the word dropping. Mm-hmm. I realize that I am not in any way, shape or form the... Uh, the right person to comment on feminism or representation of, uh, women in, you know, any kind of media or anything like that. But I felt like the female superheroes category was really dumbed down. Mm. Or maybe I shouldn't say dumbed down, but, and again, it could just be because I am familiar with all of this, but, it, it those felt throughout the entire category significantly easier than I would have expected.
1: Yeah, I, I think Jeopardy contestants are expected to know ma- the Marvel and DC superheroes in like some level of detail. Um, mm-hmm. And these all felt like pretty, like pretty low-hanging fruit, I think. Especially the 800. It's the superhero name of Natasha Romanova, a big screen butt kicker played by Scarlett Johansson. Um, that's black
0: widow yeah which like end game is you know the highest grossing film of all time yeah right like i would have put that as the 200 hundred dollar clue i don't know yeah
1: yeah um but i mean i don't think that 600 400 or 200 were easier i think they just you know if it felt like they chose the, the thousand i didn't know um being mm-hmm. widowed by Yakuza began the journey of this Suicide Squad member whose name means a samurai sword. Um, that is Katana. Um, that one I I didn't know. And I'm not like a big superhero buff, um, so maybe I should have. But, wow. yeah, the, the rest of these Wonder Woman, Storm from X-Men, Black Widow, and identifying that uh, Gamora is part of Guardians of the Galaxy, those all felt like sort of pretty entry level to me
0: yeah yeah
1: um so yeah I, I i support i agree with your gripe thank you you're welcome um, thank you now i'm qualified
0: <laughs> to speak on feminism in every every there situation i've I vetted you.
1: him guys um <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't worry he's good he's good
1: <laughs> uh we had yet another um here is a state can you name it question in the in the 600 hundred dollar level of all american stamps <sighs> that issued in 2018 the stamp here celebrated this state's 200th anniversary and they just showed a stamp with a picture of illinois yeah it's <laughs> illinois it's illinois yeah. <laughs> um, uh do you know what illinois looks like then yeah then you can get this one
0: did you know illinois was founded in or was uh, established in 1818 you didn't doesn't matter because we'll yep. give you a picture <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so study your maps guys
0: uh-huh.
1: We get the Daily Double as the 13th clue in the Dropping Rhymes category. It's a little unusual to see them in wordplay categories, I think. Although we've been seeing more of that recently, Yeah, maybe. Or I've been paying more attention. Hard to say, really. Adam finds it and makes it a true Daily Double. Um, he has 1,200. Nick is at 2,400 and Rachel is at zero. So he is trying to trying to tie with Nick, he gets the clue: a thrilling movie or arterial blockage could be described as this, um, and he just can't quite get to it. He guesses plotting. Um, the correct response there is heart stopping, rhymes with dropping. Um, so he drops to drops to zero. So tied with the wrong contestant. Um, but Oops. <laughs> there's still plenty of time.
0: Yeah. Um, the wearable car parts category had the couple of triple stumpers also at the uh, higher levels the 800 and yeah. $1000 levels um, which i think i think not necessarily is indicative of like oh nerds don't know how to work on cars but like we we live in an age now where far fewer people do their own car oh, yeah, you know mm-hmm. like my you know like our parents like my dad did not take a vehicle to a mechanic until i don't know until i was in high school
1: Hmm.
0: pretty much like unless there was something that with a computer system that needed to be done, but he'd just take it apart and fix it. Yeah. And then he was like, Oh, I'm too old for this. And he started paying for it. But yeah, so it's just not a thing that we do as much anymore, partially because they make cars so much more complicated now. <laughs> mm. It's, it's hard to just dive in, but you know, you can still learn the parts of it, I guess. Yeah. Anyway,
1: I wasn't sure how they were going to come up with five, five, uh, car parts that sounded wearable, but they they did manage. Um, I guess that shows what I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, muffler and hood were the the two hundred four and four hundred and they, they were the two that I could think of before before they started revealing clues. Blinkers came up at the six hundred dollar level, um, which are also a word for what some horses horses wear, so they don't see sideways. And that the triple stumpers were cap. Uh, Apparently, there is a distributor cap that's Mm -hmm. part of the ignition system. Yep. Um, And shoes, brake shoes. Yep. Yeah. Um, So going into Double Jeopardy, um, Nick is in a really solid lead with 6,000 to Rachel's 400 and Adam's 600. And they get the categories A Real Squab Story, Instrument Makers, Herbs and Spices, Blanking Blank, Short Runs on Broadway, and Notable Italians.
0: They left three clues on the board at the end of this.
1: I really wanted to see the rest of those Squab Story clues.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I had the exact opposite reaction. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> at least those are the ones. Yeah. Um, although the $800 clue there made me very happy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... In a Mo Willems book, the pigeon finds this food item, which he describes as a celebration in a bun. Needs mustard, though. And Mm -hmm. that's a hot dog. That's the pigeon finds a hot dog. Yeah. My toddler loves the pigeon books.
1: Mm, We also love those pigeon books.
0: Yeah. She has taken to blaming the pigeon when she does bad things, though. (laughs) It's like, hey, (laughs) hey, how did this how did this happen? The pigeon did it like don't no, don't t- <laughs> I know the pigeon didn't do it <laughs> I know it wasn't the pigeon uh but yeah we, we very much enjoy them and also yeah. uh for if anyone is you know has I'm sure everyone who has young kids is already aware of this but mo willems is doing a like a doodle with me uh mm-hmm. series like a live stream and and videos at least he was I assume it's still still going on during I, these i
1: believe it is we we are a few days behind but yeah um we're big fans um, are those good
0: we actually haven't yes. done it yet. we plan to
1: yeah they're good um it took him a couple it took him a day or two to kind of find his stride and figure out how to um how to share what he wanted to share the doodling is great um he also is sharing like old drafts of his books and like, you know, Mm. what some of his initial versions of different characters looked like and all kinds of like kind of cool behind the scenes art and publishing stuff. Um, Nice. uh, Yeah. And I felt like it took him a a couple of tries to figure out how to make that part accessible to younger viewers. It's really interesting to me. Um, And uh, (laughs) my six year old is really into it. And he just sort of plunks down on the living room floor and gets to doodling. And it's, it's been really, really great. Um, yeah. So
0: that is awesome.
1: Yeah. We don't have Mr. Rogers with us anymore. And he's the person I most wish were with us through this crisis. Um, oh,
0: yeah.
1: But, but Mo Willems is doing a good job. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh man. I could really go deep into the instrument makers. Um, but I'm not going to, <laughs> um, mm. Yeah.
1: I, I was pleased with myself for getting all except the two thousand. I couldn't remember uh, Hammond organ, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah. But the others I knew.
0: Classic Hammond B three. Yeah. Uh, up until very recently, I had an I owned a, a Hammond M three, which was uh, not at all useful for what I actually do. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't need it, but it was pretty cool. Uh, the second daily double. Comes in the blanking blank category at the twelve hundred dollar level. Uh, Nick finds it, and he wagered three thousand of his seventy six hundred. He was way ahead. Rachel was at thirty two hundred, and Adam was at fourteen hundred, so he wasn't risking his lead there. He gets the clue. In 1947, a pilot reported nine circular aircraft doing 1,700 miles per hour near Mount Rainier, and these two word items entered the modern lexicon. Uh, And he correctly identifies those as flying saucers.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That whole blanking blank category, I enjoyed a lot. But I also, like, I... I can't be the only person whose mind kept interpreting that as like a euphemism for profanity.
0: Oh um, yeah,
1: right. Oh, yeah. Like, That's okay, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, we found the third daily double in the herbs and spices category, which I also enjoyed. Great category. Adam found it and wagered four thousand of his five thousand four hundred. Um, Nick was in the lead at that point with ten thousand two hundred, and Rachel had five thousand two hundred. Adam got this clue. Olympic medals are imprinted with sprigs of these leaves that cooks use to flavor soups and stews. And he correctly answered bay leaves, also known as laurel leaves.
0: Which I did not know that.
1: I did not know that bay leaves and laurel leaves were the same thing. I would have gone for bay leaves on the, on the merits of knowing quite certainly that, that we use bay leaves for soups and stews. But I think as as I was as I was sort of mentally committing to that answer, I was like, Laurel. Um, so I was surprised to learn those are the same. Yeah, me too. And I did not know anything about um, Arturo Toscanini at the two thousand dollar level of notable Italians. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine mm-hmm. you did.
0: Uh, I did. I mm-hmm. didn't know that's what he looked like, though. Hmm. Yeah. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Nick is in the lead at thirteen hundred. Rachel is in third place at 6,800, and Adam is in second at 10,600. They get the final Jeopardy category, Alliterative Legislation. I saw some good blind guesses coming out for this one. The clue is, signed into law in March 1941, House Resolution 1776 was this act that provided aid to a foe from 1776. Uh, Rachel wagered 6800 which was everything she had. And she guessed what is the Lend and Lease Act, which is acceptable. So she doubles up. Adam wagered everything he had, all $10,600. Uh, he also got what is the Lend-Lease Act. And Nick wagered 8201 uh, which was a cover bet, but he guessed what is the British blockade. Uh, so that mm. means that Adam, who doubled up, won the game. So that's two days in a row where second place doubled up uh, and ended up winning.
1: <laughs> yes. We keep saying it's not a good strategy, but.
0: But if it 100% keeps of the time games. this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this week it has worked out really well.
1: So on Thursday, we get the contestants Evan Singer, a beverage packaging specialist from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Susan Alden, a fundraising researcher from San Francisco, California, and Adam Smith, a law student from Somerville, Massachusetts, whose one-day cash winnings total 21200 And we get the Jeopardy! Round categories, World Factbook Travel Facts, Lyrics of Today, Pardon the Interjection, police squad, Chicago and the presidential suite SWEET
0: mm-hmm I, <laughs> Police squad this is not what the category was about but if in case anybody is not aware it was a uh, a Leslie Nielsen like TV show it had I don't know it had something like six episodes or something and i'm i'm not even sure when it was 70s or 80s or something like that but it's like it was very funny and just really goofy and off the wall mm-hmm. so i saw police squad and immediately thought of that
1: hmm. okay so in what world is asking who sings new man on the minnesota vikings truth hurts needed something more exciting bum bum badam badam bam bay a <laughs> uh, 1000 dollar clue um, <laughs> my Lizzo is not great, but it's better than Alex Trebek's.
0: Um, um I'm sorry. Can you could you repeat that? I didn't didn't quite catch it.
1: I am not the only person who had this song on repeat for like the entire month of August. I I don't know why it's at the thousand dollar level. That's my rant. I don't know. Maybe I'm miscalibrated.
0: Maybe, but I don't think so. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty well known. But
1: Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it, it's always fun to see Jeopardy contestants um, talking about the, the recent pop hits of today. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked seeing Evan ring in on uh, Old Town Road also. That was fun. Good moment. Yeah. We get Daily Double number one in the Presidential Suite category. It's the 23rd clue and Adam finds it. He wagers 2,000 of his 3,600. At that point, he's tied with Evan for the lead. Um, Susan is trailing at 2,000. And he gets the clue Ronald Reagan started eating these as part of a successful effort to give up pipe smoking. And he guesses what are starbursts. Um, The correct answer is jelly beans. Reagan is famous for having jelly beans on his desk.
0: Uh, I did not know that. Oh. I really don't know much about Reagan, I'm going to be honest. Uh and I think a big part of that is because my American history class.
1: Yeah, he's too late to have been covered in history but too early for us to remember as like our own current yeah. events.
0: Yeah, basically even yeah, we we barely got up to like Vietnam, you know. Yep. So mm-hmm. So so anything from like the mid 70s to the like to the year 2000, I just like I don't know. Could could be anything. So. Yeah, I
1: get that. I have I have a similar I have a similar gap between where history class ends and where my memory of current event then current events begins. Um, and Ronald Reagan's in the gap. Um, mm-hmm. But I did know about the jelly beans. I don't know how I knew about the jelly beans. I feel like that's one of the sort of tidbits that people who remember Ronald Reagan mention. Yeah. Um.
0: So going into double Jeopardy. We have the scores, Adam is at 2,800, Susan is at 3,800, and Evan is between them at 3,600. So pretty close going into the Double Jeopardy round. Um, And we get the categories Angels, eighteen fifteen. ooh, sorry, and OO is in quotation marks. Uh, Then She Played Him on TV, American Authors, and... Looking for a good time.
1: It was fun to see Susan shine in the she played him on TV category. I did not know many of these, but she had them cold.
0: hmm Except for the two or the four hundred dollar clue, mm, which was right? Not the only one that I knew, but fifty percent of the ones that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> that's Kelly Kapoor on The Office and OBGYN Mindy Lahiri. And that's Mindy yeah. Kaling. She's a funny lady.
1: She is a funny lady. I like her. Yeah, I don't know who Susan may have been thinking of with Deacon or whatever she said. Uh-huh. My brain didn't work for me in the American authors category at the $1200 level. Um uh this novelist of the frontier died in 1851 in a village his dad founded the future home of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I thought, well, that's Cooperstown, but who possibly could be from Cooperstown? <laughs> um, it's, it's Cooper. It's Cooper, it, Emily. It's,
0: it is, in fact, Cooper.
1: <laughs> Cooper. Cooper's the answer. Yeah. So, oops.
0: <laughs> so we get the second Daily Devil in the Angels category at the $1,200 level. Adam finds it, and he wagered 4000 Of his 6,400, Susan is currently at 9,800 in the lead, and Evan is at 5,200. And the clue is, Mormons believe the angel Moroni appeared to this man and revealed to him where to find the golden plates. And Adam correctly identifies that that is Joseph Smith, which we've already kind of talked about on the podcast.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. A little bit. Um, Adam has a disappointing miss at the $2,000 level. Uh, they show some art, and uh-huh. the clue is, as depicted here in a Gustave Doré engraving, this man has an encounter with an angel and gains a new name. And in the art, you see them kind of s- struggling, wrestling with each other. Uh-huh. Um, the correct response there is Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. Um uh-huh. Adam guesses who is Paul or Saul, who also had a name change and a divine encounter. Although his encounter, uh, according to the the story, is is with um, like the risen Christ, um, not with an angel. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of biblical name changes to to choose from. Abram becomes Abraham. Jacob becomes Israel. I feel like I'm missing Paul. Saul becomes Paul. I feel like I'm missing. A couple others as well Mm. yeah but yeah that's that's jacob wrestling with the angel which is a really interesting story but yeah tough tough break because he because he clearly had a a mostly correct story in mind
0: yeah yeah but that's tough
1: yep daily double three we get at the two thousand dollar level of 1815 evan finds it and wager's three thousand of his eight thousand eight hundred dollars um and they're right at the end of the round this might have been the spot to make a move for first place Adams at ten thousand four hundred Susan is at thirteen thousand he gets the clue Stephen Decatur negotiated treaties with Tunis Tripoli and Algiers ending the war against these bad guys
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, he can't come up with any response um oh. Uh, correct response there is the Barbary Pirates
0: mm-hmm. yes uh, that is where the line uh, in the marine hymn you know from, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli mm. um,
1: oh I hadn't to, made that
0: connection referring to the, the Barbary Pirates
1: I felt like these contestants in, in particular were were shying away from those high value clues they ended up getting to them eventually but I think mm-hmm. we saw we saw a good amount of that this week of the contestants kind of heading preferentially toward the top of the board. Yeah. Um, um, they did end up clearing the bottom of the board eventually, but it was a lot of it stayed there until pretty close to the end. Yeah. So at the end of Double Jeopardy, Susan is the, in the lead with 13,000, Adam's trailing with 10,400. Evan has 5,800, and they get the category Western Hemisphere Geography. And Man, sometimes you get an Emma Lazarus question, um, although they they struggled with that. And sometimes you get this, the Yucatan Peninsula is shared by these three countries. You've got to get all three. So (laughs) hopefully you've studied your maps. Um, I I could not get the three,
0: Mm.
1: and uh, neither could any of the contestants.
0: Yeah.
1: Evan wagered $599 um, and guessed what are Mexico, Guatemala, and Ecuador.
0: Ecuador is in South in America.
1: In South America, yeah. Adam wagered everything from second place again, um, which worked for him last time. Um, but this time he he's guessed what are Mexico, El Salvador, and Panama. I think he just put Salvador, actually. I wonder if, yeah. Hmm. And uh, Susan wagered $5,001, not a cover bet. And guessed what are Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras. So she got- She got closest. She, yeah, she got she got closest. Mexico and Guatemala are correct. She and Mexico's correct. Everyone had that. Guatemala also is correct. Uh, Susan and Evan had that. The one that nobody could come up with is Belize-
0: Mm -hmm. One way that I remember where Billy's is is that um, English is an official language. And so that reminds me that it's, oh, it's pretty far north. It's a lot closer to the U.S. than any of the other Central American countries.
1: Mm. If Susan had made a cover bet, she would have landed $1 below Evan.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: So good wager on Evan's Evan's part. part. Mm Mm-hmm yep but uh,
0: but it still worked out for susan
1: but it's worked out for susan uh so uh she'll be our champion on friday
0: on friday we have the contestants Khalila waters an attorney from danville virginia matt steen an account coordinator from minneapolis minnesota and Susan Alden, a fundraising researcher from San Francisco, California, whose one day cash winnings total $7,999. And in the Jeopardy round, we get the categories 150 years of nature, being Nature Magazine, demography, ordinal terms, here's the windup, and the pitch it's a strike.
1: And they jumped all over the board um, mm-hmm. this round. I had a hard time sort of keeping up with where they were. Um, it seemed like everyone had their own sort of preferred approach. Some of them were more into daily double hunting than uh, than others. Others wanted to start at the top. And so uh, it's unpredictable.
0: Yeah. And they ended up leaving four clues on the board. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... I've noticed this with people who jump around uh it seems more often that they take longer to select the next clue
1: mm, yeah because
0: they're looking to a different category and to a different place I don't know I don't know if the statistics would support that if that would hold up but it's i've I feel I have noticed that specifically i've I have made note of that when I've been watching
1: yeah that seems valid oh there was an interesting um Reversal at the at the two hundred dollar level, and here's the wind up. Um, The clue was milkmaid, French, and waterfall Mm -hmm. are three types of this twisty hairstyle. Susan rang in and said, "What is a bun?" Um, and it was ruled incorrect. Matt rang in with, "What is a what are braids?" and then later on, I think it was think it was after the break, Alex came back and uh, Susan was credited with four hundred. You know, the two hundred she lost, and then two hundred for a correct response. And uh, I had to look it up. Those are, you can, you can, uh, those are all actually also, they can be buns. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yep. Milkmaid and Waterfall looks look to me like you sort of do the braid and then sort of turn it into a bun. Uh. And I'm not quite sure what they meant by a French bun, but you can find enough sort of YouTube videos of people demonstrating how to make hairstyles with those names that I think it was a, you know, a credible, correct response. Mm-hmm. We get the Daily Double as the 21st pick at the $600 level of demography. Matt finds it and makes it a true Daily Double with 1600 to Susan's 3400 and Kalila's 1200 And he gets the clue, born between 1980 and 1995, Millennials are also known as Generation This Letter. He guesses what is Generation Z. Generation Z is younger. That's like the kids who are in college now. Uh, millennials are... Used to also be known as Generation Y. I think I think they're pretty solidly considered millennials now. But I remember when that it was an active question what what we... that generation would be called.
0: Right, for a couple of reasons, because um, we came after Generation X, mm-hmm. and I'd also heard it said because we asked why a lot.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: Don't know if that's true. <laughs> I think that was kind of like retroactively applied, but. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a lot to ask why about Kyle.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm aware of it. (laughs) Believe me. I didn't realize how much there was to ask why about until I had a daughter who is three years old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's, um, she is not generation Y, but yeah, three-year-olds ask why a lot. Yeah. 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 So we had a, we had a pretty rough Jeopardy round. um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we finish the round with um Susan at four thousand eight hundred. Uh, Kalila is at four hundred, and Matt is at zero. Um, <sighs> so their, uh, their combined corset is uh five thousand two hundred out of the eighteen thousand that's on the boards. It's been there's a lot of triple stumpers, a lot of incorrect responses,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we get the double Jeopardy categories starring the San Diego Zoo, Latin mm-hmm. phrases, opera. The general economy, with "general" in quotation marks, state capitals, and author fill-ins.
0: Also, a a rough double jeopardy, not as rough as the first one, but uh, this, yeah, this game was tough for the for the contestants.
1: Yeah, you might recognize the two thousand dollar clue in the state capitals category from uh, the Dodge City deep dive. Although that wasn't that wasn't the railroad that was coming through, right? Don't think it was. No, maybe. Uh, the Atchison,
0: Topeka, and Santa Fe. Yeah, I don't think
1: so. yeah. No, I don't think so. I think it. I think it came up at, it, with regard to like where cattle were being routed, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they asked uh, for um, a train on this railroad whose name includes two state capitals and a third city. That's uh, that is the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe,
0: um, which I believe. Mm-hmm.
1: I mentioned during that deep dive.
0: I think you did. I'm not
1: sure. I, I am different. not. Yeah. I'm not a rail railroad buff at all. So that researching that was uh, that deep dive was where I, where that one solidified for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like the author fill category. That was a that was really a fun, fun category.
1: Yeah. And it was nice to see um, Khalila here. The first one that, that came up. You sort of heard her say, "Oh," from over at her podium, and then she managed to get a couple of them at least, I
0: believe. Um, yeah, she got two of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so if you if you didn't watch this game, um, you were supposed to come up with the name of an author where you would be given. It was like it was like a bef- it was almost like a before, during, and after. Um, yeah. So. LeBron blank blank Kilmer you were supposed to come up with James Joyce so LeBron James James Joyce Joyce Kilmer further complicating my inability to keep these authors straight except for the last one um Upton blank blank Carol that's Upton (laughs) Sinclair Lewis Carroll
0: Upton right Sinclair C.S. Lewis Carroll yep Mm -hmm. they all all go together
1: yep (laughs) yeah so that was a fun category
0: and it was different. It was a very different kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I don't normal. know if I've seen anything quite like that on Jeopardy! before. No. We had tough breaks in the in the Latin phrases category at the 1600 yeah. level also. Uh, the clue there was Julius Caesar summed up his victory in a 47 BC campaign. With these three Latin words, Kalila rang in and said, What is Vedi? Veni Vidi Vinci, um, and was ruled incorrect and seemed upset about it. And then Susan Reagan had also said, "What is Veni Vidi Vinci?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at which point Kalila interjected, "That's what I said." Um, Susan was Susan was also ruled incorrect. They had both uh, added an N that is not supposed to be there. It is Veni Vidi Vici.
0: Vici, yes. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Vinci is a town. Yes. Yeah, and of course that came right after uh, both Daily Doubles. Um, Yeah, the Daily Doubles happened pretty early in the round. So uh, the second Daily Double was at pick number four. Uh, Kalila found it. She wagered all of her 2,000. Uh, At this point, Susan was in second place at 1,200, and Matt was at negative 2,400. So she was in the lead, and she bet it all. Uh, and the it was in the state capitals category. And the clue is, appropriately, the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament is in the capital of this western state. And it showed a picture. And she guessed, what is New Mexico? That's incorrect. And she is upset about it. She's very animated. She <laughs> was, yeah. She's, she's very animated. Uh, and Alex says, California is the state.
1: Uh, I didn't catch the connection between Sacramento and Sac- Blessed Sacrament until mm-hmm. until the correct response was uh, was revealed. Yeah. So
0: so she loses it all, drops down to zero, but she's still in second place at that point. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the third daily double comes in the Latin phrases category at the two thousand dollar level. She wagers uh, two thousand, the um, the maximum, given that she's at zero, and. Uh, gets the clue. John Wilkes Booth shouted this, meaning thus always to tyrants as he leaped to the stage after shooting Abraham Lincoln. Um, you could see her get excited that she knew it. My uh, automatic response was maybe this was something that she had studied um, in preparing mm-hmm. to to come out. Like it, it seemed th- that 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 was the the kind of victory dance that I would do if I had happened to study the correct thing. But, you know, who knows? Uh, and she correctly responds, "What is six semper tyrannis?" So recovers from that uh, that earlier daily double miss.
0: Yep, back to where we were before the daily double showed up. Mm-hmm. So then the rest of the round goes. Uh, lots of ups and downs for everybody.
1: Uh, so at the end of the double Jeopardy round, um, Kalila is in the lead with six thousand eight hundred. Matt is at five thousand six hundred, and you could sort of see toward the end of the round. I mean, the the scores were so low that you could see that Kalila might have ended up with a uh, with a lock game around seven thousand. And I could see her eyes keep kind of flicking over hmm. to the um uh, to the the scoreboard that's visible to the contestants. You know, um, yep. you, you never expect to have a lock game with six thousand eight hundred, but I think Matt got a couple of good gets toward the end that. Made it a competitive game, but you know, I think she she was, uh, she she was really in a position where she might have been able to lock the game. Yep. Um, Susan has one thousand two hundred, and they get the category presidential history, and the clue is he was the first president to deliver the State of the Union address on television. Susan has wagered everything one thousand two hundred dollars uh, and responds, "Who was Eisenhower?" Matt also has wagered everything, $5,600, and also responds who is Eisenhower. Kalila has wagered 4,401, a cover bet, and has crossed out who is Truman and put who is FDR. So she is also incorrect. Uh, it turns out that her crossed out answer was the right one. Uh, Truman was the answer, but she, uh, she is the winner with 2,399, and she... Uh, she did sort of a celebratory dance, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and there's some convention for determining who is second place and who is third place if they are tied. I think it is who had the highest score prior.
0: Yeah, going into final. Yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yep, yeah. I was not sure who the correct response was. I was, I was confident that it was certainly not anyone earlier than FDR. Um, I remembered that Kennedy strongly pushed for televised presidential debates. Um, mm-hmm. And so I figured by Ken, it must have surely have been, you know, no later than Kennedy and no earlier than FDR, but that, that, that let, that uh, left me FDR, Truman, Eisenhower or Kennedy to choose among. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did I, you know this one? No, I went with Eisenhower cause I was, it was a top toss up. Basically it was, dude, I think that it was, that they would have started doing this, you know, in 1952 or earlier, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, the first televised debates weren't even until 1960, so yeah, I th- I thought it was a safer bet to to assume that it was in the mid 50s rather than the early 50s or even late 40s. Mm-hmm. But alas, I was wrong.
1: Yeah, well, you didn't have to get this one right to win. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: <laughs> fair point. Yeah. I uh
1: I, I guessed Kennedy, um, because the uh the debate association was so strong for me mm-hmm. that I wondered if they were um if that if that might be a connection that other people might know and that might lead to um this being a good final jeopardy clue.
0: Alright. Uh, so that's yeah. the end of the week. Mm-hmm. So Cleva will come back on Monday. Get to see if she brings that brings that same fire. Same, yeah. same energy yeah i hope she i it. hope
1: she gets a good chance to shake it off it was a it was a tough game for everyone yeah. um you know and they all had some good gets but just um just a, a lot of misses and i think a lot of um sort of scrambling to try and get back from those Agreed. so yeah so we'll see
0: before we move on to the deep dive and quiz it is our obligatory patreon plug Go ahead and check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash potentpotables. We have different subscription levels there, uh, depending on what you might feel like. And we've got some exclusive content for any and all levels. Uh, I know last week I made a declarative statement that I would have the outtakes uh, reel up this week. That was a foolish move because we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we moved into a new house this week, and I have had no time or access to my computer in order to do that. I promise it's coming. I promise it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> but you can st- we still have other exclusive content on the Patreon already, so it's mm-hmm. not like there's nothing there. So check it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. All right. Um, you ready?
0: Oh, I'm ready. Okay. What do you, th- what
1: do you think? All right. Are we talking about Toscanini?
0: We are not.
1: Okay.
0: But I, Uh, yeah, that that was definitely one of my possibilities.
1: Yeah, that was one that had your name written all over it. Uh, What about Bacon's Rebellion?
0: Nope, not Bacon's Rebellion.
1: Okay. Um, Although I do like bacon. Oh, maybe you have... um, ventured sort of outside of your normal topics and gone for Larry McMurtry?
0: That's a that's a big old no there because right. that is still outside <laughs> of my comfort zone as in <laughs> as in I'm wondering who is that?
1: Um novelist. Um, ah,
0: yes. Yeah. Yes, I don't know how to read. So.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a lie. That's
0: unlikely. No, it's all We dislike. believe
1: in facts here kyle <laughs> that is not a fact
0: <laughs> fair fair it's fake news no um, um <laughs> no we're doing the deep dive it's from the thursday game oh yep. okay and it was a missed daily double so one of them we talked about actually t- there were two missed daily doubles the first one was the uh ronald reagan jelly beans jelly beans fact and i said specifically oh i didn't know that which kind of gives away that it was the other one uh it was the two thousand dollar clue in 1815 Stephen Decatur negotiated treaties with Tunis Tripoli and Algiers ending the war against these bad guys and those are the Barbary pirates
1: Ooh, I don't think I know anything about them
0: yeah so we're going to talk a little bit um and again listeners as I mentioned we uh we had a pretty hectic week, uh, so my my uh, my deep dive might be a little disjunct. I uh, didn't didn't have a chance to really like smooth it out or anything, but uh, I'll do my best. We're talking about Barbary pirates and the Barbary Wars, specifically what are referred to as the first and second Barbary Wars, meaning the engagements between the United States and the Barbary states. Yeah. Anyway, so the Barbary pirates. Sometimes called Barbary corsairs or Ottoman corsairs, which, just an aside, I love the word corsair. I don't know why. It just. Mm, it's a good word. It's such a good word. Um, that's a, the general term for uh, the pirates and, and privateers who uh, operated from a variety of different ports on, uh, on the North African coast, primarily Saleh, Rabat, Algiers, Tunis, and Tripoli. Uh, so Europeans called it the Barbary Coast because they got the term Barbary from the uh, ethnic Berbers uh, mm-hmm. who inhabited the area. The Berbers were and are uh, a nomadic. Berber is a is a term that foreigners have given to the people of the area. So it's not it's not specific to any like real ethnic group, but it's more a general term for any of the the. The nomadic uh, peoples of of north africa so the the barbary pirates uh throughout the centuries they ranged far and wide all the way through the mediterranean down along uh, the west african coast and even as far into the north atlantic as iceland uh, but most of their operations were in the western mediterranean uh, like i said they were also called ottoman corsairs because a lot of what they did was a uh, uh, seizing slaves for the Ottoman and Arab slave trade. Uh, so they wouldn't really find a lot of slaves to bring in in the uh, Eastern Mediterranean because that was already Ottoman territory. Mm. So they they were pirates and privateers. They would seize merchant ships, they'd uh, raid coastal towns and villages. Um, and like I said, their main purpose was to uh, was to take slaves for the, the vast booming slave market in North Africa and the Middle East. Hmm. So they'd been doing this for a long time since, you know, as early as the 8th century, but the term Barbary pirates uh, really refers to their activities from the 16th century onward when, when their, uh, their activities kind of increased and there were more attacks and it became more, more regular in the 16th century. Tunis and Tripoli came under the sovereignty of the Ottoman Empire. They, uh, at that point, they became known as Barbary states, hmm. and then they they had the same kind of, uh, same kind of operations in Saleh and other ports in Morocco, like Rabat. It is believed that between 100,000 and 250,000 Iberians were enslaved uh, over the over the course of these. These raids throughout the uh, couple of centuries, uh, and even entire towns and villages were abandoned uh, along the Iberian coast because of them. Uh, so there are a number of number of famous or more well known of the Barbary pirates, such as uh, John Ward, who was a, a European outcast, uh, and Simon Danziker. There was also Herodin, Barbarossa, and Uruk Rice, uh, who were Turkish. Uh, they were the ones who took control of Algiers on behalf of the Ottomans. Hmm. Um, and some others that I'll talk about a little bit later. The They were particularly successful in the 16th century and into the 17th century because uh, technology of European ships had not advanced enough to to really be able to effectively fight them off, but uh, with the development of sailing ships over ore-driven ships uh, and the ability of these new sail ships to carry many cannons, the Barbary ships weren't able to take a head-to-head fight with a lot of the European navies that were um, that were being developed. Mm. And so... As the time passed, they became less active and more, more kind of like uh, get in, get out kind of operations. Because any time a frigate showed up, they just couldn't they couldn't do anything. They just had to run. Because mostly the the Barbary ships were designed to carry people, you know, carry fighting men who would jump off the ship and you know seize the enemy ship or go raid the village and bring people back. Uh, they were just outgunned. Once once these new new, these new ships came around. So after the Napoleonic Wars and the Congress of Vienna in 1814 15 was when European powers finally agreed on the need to do away with the Barbary uh, states and the threat that they have that they had been uh, over the centuries. At that point, it was really the beginning of the end for the Barbary states. And then finally, the last one. Uh, fell with the French conquest of Algeria in 1830. So some of the uh, famous Barbary Corsairs were the Barbarossa brothers, Oruk Barbarossa and Hazir Hayreddin Barbarossa. The name Barbarossa just means red beard. They were in service of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, They were called the Barbarossas after Oruk's red beard. He was the eldest brother. Um, he often attacked Spanish territories uh, on the coast of North Africa, and uh, he lost, lost his left arm to a cannonball in one of those uh, raids. He also, uh, like I mentioned, captured, conquered, conquested much of Algiers uh, and brought it under Ottoman rule. And he actually executed the ruler of Algiers and anyone else that he thought would oppose him including local rulers so Mm. he was uh he was a pretty rough dude uh he was captured in 1518 by the spanish and killed and then his body was displayed as a warning to others Mm. um uh, hazir haired barbarossa was a more traditional pirate he was more of a sailor he was one who uh he would attack Coastal areas, but also he uh, ran, ran the, uh, the Sultan's fleet as admiral-in-chief. Um, and so his, his responsibilities, like I said, were more on the water. Uh, he lived a lot longer. He died in 1546, possibly of the plague. Hmm. Uh, I also mentioned Captain Jack Ward, who was an Englishman. Uh, and he was once called, quote, beyond doubt the greatest scoundrel that ever sailed from England by the English ambassador to Venice. Uh, he was a privateer for Queen Elizabeth during the the war with Spain, with the Armada, um, and after that he went off to become, you know, to find his own fortune. He captured a ship in 1603, sailed it to Tunis, and there he and his crew converted to Islam, and he became rich. He brought the square rig ships to North Africa, which... The incorporation of square rigs helped them be competitive uh, in the Mediterranean um, because those that that style of ship could carry more payload, could could navigate better, um, and so it it allowed them to continue their dominance of the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was Saida al-Hura. She was a female Muslim cleric, merchant, and governor of Tetuan. What? Yeah, like all of those things, all of those those descriptors put together are like really. Tetuan being uh, a, uh, a region and city of Morocco, and she was also later the wife of the Sultan of Morocco. She was born in Granada, but forced to flee when she was very young to escape the uh, the Reconquista, which was when Ferdinand and Isabella reclaimed spain for the christian europeans and drove Mm. out all the moors and and everyone else and so in morocco she gathered a crew of exiled moors and began pirate expeditions against spain and portugal to avenge the reconquista and protect morocco from christian pirates and also to get rich why not nice yeah she allied with the Barbarossa brothers, and between her and them they divided the Mediterranean under their uh their kind of spheres of influence. Uh so she's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh she yeah. She gained enough wealth and renown to eventually uh marry the Sultan of Morocco. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't marry him in his capital city of Fez and would only get married in Tetuan where she was the governor so real power move yeah and this is the first and only time in history that a moroccan monarch has married away from his capital huh yeah so that's that's saida alhura remember her yeah it's pretty cool she's she's
1: cool i like her yeah i mean you know it's as much as you can you can like a pirate
0: yeah yeah i guess there are a lot of other famous Barbary corsairs, Piri race, and Sinan race, um, as well as Marat race the elder and Marat race the younger. the The word "race" R E I S uh, is a it's a it's a military rank. So it kind of you know mm. sort of like captain or or something. So a lot of these um, a lot of the the corsairs had the title of race. So. When you see those names, that's that's where that comes from. Uh, so Barbary corsairs were written about a lot. Obviously, they'd been around for many centuries, had a big effect on like the the culture of Europe, and so they they show up in a lot of different places. They are the protagonists in Emilio Salgari's The Panthers of Algiers or La La Pantere di Algeri. As well as you know, they show up in Robinson Crusoe, Mount of Count of Monte Cristo, uh, mm-hmm. the Wind in the Willows, apparently, <laughs> um, and uh, a bunch of other things. La uh, Don Quixote, all over, all over. They were they were a major part of of the world at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's the general overview. We're going to look toward the end of their uh, their their time their influence with the first and second Barbary Wars. The Barbary States had had been so active in the slave trade that toward the 18th and into the 19th centuries, nations, European nations began uh, setting aside national funds to ransom ransom captured uh, sailors from the Barbary States and you know people countries as far north as denmark and norway were were dealing with this in 1776 british treaties with the north african st- states protected american ships uh from the barbary corsairs morocco in 1777 little trivia fact was the first independent nation to publicly recognize the united states hm yeah However, seven years later, it became the first Barbary power to seize an American vessel. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) So, um...
1: You win some, you lose some.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And so, because of the need for trade with Europe, particularly in the Mediterranean, the United States established the United States Navy in March 1794. With that, you know, primary purpose at the time of protecting merchant interests and, uh, defending themselves against the Barbary pirates. Uh, the first Barbary war, which is also known as the, uh, Tripolitanian war or Barbary coast war. It was, uh, the United States and Sweden against the four North African states, collectively known as the Barbary states. Mm. Uh, they were, Tripoli, Algiers, Tunis, and the Sultanate of Morocco. So they, the Barbaries had been uh, seizing merchant ships and demand, holding crews demanding ransom. And Thomas Jefferson refused to pay. They basically mm-hmm. said, we demand tribute. You need to pay us tribute constantly to ensure protection in these waters. TJ said, oh, nah, we ain't doing that. uh and hopped in sweden had already been at war with the tripolitans since 1800 just before jefferson's inauguration in 1801 congress passed naval naval legislation that provided for six frigates that shall be officered and manned as the president of the united states may direct in the Mm -hmm. event of a declaration of war on the united states by the barbary powers these ships were to protect our commerce and chastise their insolence by sinking, burning, or destroying their ships and vessels wherever you shall find them. Uh, Upon Jefferson's inauguration, Yusuf Karamanli, the Pasha of Tripoli, which is a high-ranking political officer, uh, demanded $225,000 in tribute from the new administration. Uh, Jefferson said, nope. And on the 10th of May, 1801... Uh, the Pasha of Tripoli declared war on the U.S., not through any formal written documents, but in the customary Berbery manner of cutting down the flagstaff in front of the U.S. consulate. Hmm. Algiers and Tunis did not follow. Uh, before learning that Tripoli had declared war on the United States, Jefferson sent a squadron of three frigates as an attempt to maintain peace. However, war had been declared, and so it was a bit late for that. Uh, Congress never voted on a formal declaration of war, but they did authorize the president to instruct the commanders of the American vessels to seize all vessels and goods of the Pasha of Tripoli and also to cause to be done all such other acts of precaution or hostility as the state of war will justify. So they joined a Swedish flotilla under Rudolf Sederström in blockading Tripoli. Uh, And like I said, the Swedes had already been at war. Mm -hmm. So throughout 1802... Uh, the U.S. sent out its finest ships uh, to the region and kind of claimed, claimed dominance there uh, and continued to blockade the Barbary ports. In October 1803, Tripoli's fleet captured the USS Philadelphia uh, after the frigate ran aground on a reef while patrolling the harbor. All the officers, crew, and captain were taken ashore and held as hostages, and the Philadelphia was anchored in the uh, harbor as a gun battery. On the night of February 16th, 1804, Lieutenant Stephen Decatur from the uh, Jeopardy Clue led a small detachment of U.S. Marines ab- aboard uh, the captured Tripolitan Ketch that they rechristened the USS Intrepid uh, and snuck into the harbor, and onto the Philadelphia, and were able to set it on fire and sink it. So at least the enemy couldn't use it. There were some more battles, uh, but the turning point in the war was the Battle of Derna in April of 1805. The U.S. Marines, led by William Eaton and Presley O'Bannon, led a force of well, I say Marines, eight U.S. Marines and 500 mercenaries <laughs> 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 um, uh, onto, you uh, know, as a landing party. And they uh, they went to capture the city of Derna. And this was the first time United S- the United States flag was raised in victory on foreign soil. And so, like I mentioned uh, earlier, this is where we get the line in the Marines hymn uh, for the shores of Tripoli. Mm. And so that gave uh, the American negotiators leverage in securing the return of hostages and ending the war. Uh, so they were able to make peace. The administration, the Jefferson administration did pay ransom for American prisoners, but I wanted to make it very clear that they were paying ransom, not tribute. Mm. A lot of people didn't like it still. you know, a lot of people were like, why are we why are we paying them? We beat them, we should, you know, yeah they they took our people we should just go kill them and take our people back overall the first barbary war was good for the reputation of the united states military um you know it was the first use of the u.s navy really and the first engagement on foreign soil and it was a fairly strong victory helped with the establishment of the navy and the marines however Barbary piracy was not fully settled. By 1807, Algiers had gone back to taking American ships and uh, sailors hostage. Um, However, we couldn't really do anything about it because the War of 1812 was ramping up because, you know, the British were also doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we weren't able to respond to it until 1815 after the War War of 1812. And that was the Second Barbary War, also known as the U.S.-Algerian War. So this was fought between the U.S. and Tripoli, Tunis, and Ottoman Algeria. Again, ended with Stephen Decatur making a treaty uh, on December 5th, 1815. However, Omar Aga of Algeria repudiated the treaty and refused to accept the terms and threatened the lives of all Christian inhabitants of Algiers. Hmm. At that point, the U.S. Navy just bombed the heck out of Algiers. Uh, and then after the end of the war, the United States and European nations stopped paying tribute to the pirate states. And this was, like I said, kind of the beginning of the end of piracy because they stopped getting that money coming in. All of the European and United States milit- navies were significantly stronger and, and showed that they didn't didn't need to, to put up with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of big takeaways, right? Barbary states were... Uh, a collection of different port cities on the north african coast big ones being tunis tripoli uh, algiers the u.s navy and marine corps were established kind of as a response to this and after the war of 1812 and the napoleonic wars that was kind of the end of the barbary states and the barbary pirates yeah all right cool yeah are you ready for the quiz.
1: I was born ready. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Said so confidently.
1: Yeah, let's do this thing.
0: Okay. This quiz uh, is kind of focused on the Barbary pirates, but really it's about Berbers and pirates.
1: All right. Well, I know some things about pirates. Whether I know anything about Berbers remains to be seen.
0: All right. So, first question. This one hopefully is kind of a softball to get you warmed up.
1: Uh-oh. That's Al- what you would
0: say before <laughs> I bomb a question. I know, right? I'll take it out <laughs> if I did. Or if you do. Algiers, Tunis, Tripoli, and Rabat were all Barbary states, but now they are capital cities. For three points each, match them to their countries.
1: Um, Algiers uh, goes with Algeria. Um... Rabat is Morocco, Tunis, Tunisia. Wait, were there more in there that I was supposed to get?
0: Also, Tripoli.
1: Tripoli. Uh, Libya.
0: Yes. Well done. Got them all. That's 12 points. Yeah, I figured, you know, we should have some geography questions at some point. I feel like we very rarely do geography questions.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That there was that was gratifying, too.
0: Good. Yes. Yes. Listeners, learn your capitals. All right. Question number two. The term Berber, being a rather broad and uh, foreign-given ethnic term, uh, can refer to a lot of different people. And throughout history, there have been some very famous Berbers, such as Ramses II, the third pharaoh of the 19th dynasty of Egypt, and Zinedine Zidane, a former French footballer, <laughs> who uh, is famous for a number of things. For me, most famous for headbutting a guy during the World Cup, um, as well as this fourth-century Christian theologian and philosopher who was the bish- bishop of Hippo Regius. Who was he?
1: Oh, the Saint Augustine, right? Saint Augustine of Hippo.
0: Yeah, that would be yeah, Saint. Saint, is it augustine or augustine i
1: August. either way i hear both um, okay i think in church circles i hear augustine more often okay um yeah i, but I,
0: I you would be the uh, expert on this so that's why i'm asking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah, I, nice yes uh yeah he was also a berber
1: i had no idea all right i did know a thing about berbers well yeah, not did. about
0: berbers but well, you know a thing yeah. about about a berber um yeah, yeah i've uh I've been to Morocco a couple of times um for like day trips when I went to Spain a couple of times and then we'd, you know, cross Gibraltar and spend a day in Morocco. Mm-hmm. Uh and we uh you know, get the touristy show of like this is this is a Berber and this is how they dress and this is whatever and then you get to go and like buy a carpet and so I have a couple of mm-hmm. Berber carpets. So, and cool. I have I have the smallest amount of like uh, touristy exposure to berbers <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: all right question three you're on a roll you're you're at 22 points question right. three the words barbarian barbary and berber all trace back to the word barbaros which did not mean an uncivilized person but simply someone that didn't speak what language
1: oh goodness it's either greek or latin I feel like I might be able to get to it if I can remember how I learned this. I think it's Latin. I'm going to say Latin. It's Greek. Ah! Okay.
0: Yeah. I think the OS at the end is... Oh! Oh! I should
1: have have picked up on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is... That's okay. That's okay. If you got them all right, it would mean I made this quiz too easy, so... Thank you for making yeah. this fair. <laughs> All right, so you're still at 22. Question right. four The Rif War was an armed conflict fought from 1911 to 1927 between the Berber tribes of the mountainous Rif region of Morocco and what colonial power?
1: Hmm. Who colonized Morocco? Gonna say France. I'm going
0: with France. The answer I'm looking for is Spain. Uh, all right. France did join in in the Rif War, but it, it only at kind of the end, like the later part of the conflict. The entire conflict was between Spain and France. Yeah. Or Spain and Morocco.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> Or really, Spain and the the Rif Berbers. For a time, there there was a period uh, a couple years ago that my wife and thus I got really into Spanish period dramas on Netflix. <laughs>
1: <Neat>. <laughs> um
0: And one of them is called Morocco, Love in the Time of War. And it's set during the Riff War in Morocco, which oh. is where I was made aware that this thing ever existed so
1: i uh, you know i was made aware in this quiz so
0: right. so uh netflix recommendations from kyle check out morocco love and time of war and uh the grand hotel oh so good velvet mm. oh man they're all good anyway all right i'm making <laughs> notes um, you have to be yeah you gotta be able to read the subtitles, though, so it, it can't be something you're doing while you're doing something else. Mm, yeah. Alright, question five. Getting away from the Berbers and now on to pirates. But kind of more modern. Still in operation, what is arguably the most infamous website, notably of Swedish creation, that one can find torrents for all manner of files to share peer-to-peer?
1: Um, I have literally no idea... This has to do with piracy, and so far it is pirating intellectual property, so I'm not going to try and come up with something (laughs) that's like a pirate pun. All right, we've already got the connection there. Um, I I feel like it'll be something I've heard of once you say it. Yeah, I I don't understand torrent stuff at all. I feel like BitTorrent is a phrase I've heard, although you had the word torrent in there, and I don't know if that's a website or if it's just like another name for the like whatever this piracy process is that I don't understand what it is or how to do it. Um uh is BitTorrent a dumb guess? Should I say BitTorrent? I'll say
0: BitTorrent. BitTorrent is not a dumb guess. It is a thing. It's it's really the like the it's the client sort of thing that you use oh, okay, when yeah. you are downloading torrents. Um, not that I would know that, authorities, because I've never, ever illegally downloaded anything ever. Uh, but the website I'm looking for is the Pirate Bay.
1: Oh, okay. I feel like I've... Okay, I I decided to disregard any kind of pirate phrase. Um, I feel like maybe I've heard of that. I was never going to get it, though.
0: Yeah, that one was kind of a know it or you don't. Yeah. Okay, well, you're at 22 points. That's not um, bad.
1: Yeah, it could be worse.
0: And we're going into the final, and the category here is Pirates Who Caught a Break.
1: Pirates Who Caught a Break. All right. I am going to wager... If I wager 18, that gets me up to 40, which feels respectable. Mm -hmm. Um, but still leaves me with 4 if I miss it. So I'll wager 18.
0: Yeah, which is better than the the big old goose egg I pulled last week. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. For potential 40 points, Mary Reed and Anne Bonney were arguably the most infamous female pirates of the West Indies. They were part of Jack Rackham's crew, though only for less than a year. The crew was captured and convicted of piracy. While Rackham was swiftly executed, why were Reed's and Bonnie's executions stayed?
1: Oh, I think they were pregnant. Were they? Pre- they were pregnant.
0: They were claiming to be pregnant. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> um, All right, were they actually pregnant? Uh, Mary Reed, I'm pre- I believe Mary Reed, from what I was from what I was seeing, Mary Reed actually was pregnant and and seemed to actually have probably died from a complication of that. Uh, but I don't, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything that said like Anne Bonnie definitely wasn't pregnant. But I also didn't see anything that said Anne Bonnie definitely was pregnant. Yeah. So. But yes, that's why they're, yeah, uh, yeah that was, <laughs> that was, that was it. Um, cool. Yeah. Hey, you got it. 40 points. Yeah, 40
1: points. All that. right.
0: Turn I, it I've around. broken my
1: streak of terrible quizzes. Oh, I'm still kicking myself about Latin versus Greek. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Um, it happens.
1: Yeah. Um, no, that was fun. Thank you.
0: Good. Um,
1: and hopefully our listeners got some as well.
0: Hopefully, indeed.
1: Um, so speaking of our listeners, thank you, listeners, for spending your time with us. It's a, it's a delight to talk Jeopardy in the middle of whatever the heck this is that's happening in the world right now. Right. Yeah. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you could leave us a rating or a review, that would be great. And mention us to your friends. Uh, we would love to get some new listeners as well
0: yeah you can direct us to our social media we're on facebook at potent potables and twitter at potent potables one and you can email us at potent potables cast at gmail.com so we'll be back next week with another week of jeopardy recaps and another deep dive so until then may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker